0: Amen. I'll tell you what I, I love the Lord today, and uh, I just wanted to uh, kind of break the ice a little bit. I, I we got a message this week, and it was from my uh, it was about my great grandson uh, Jordy, and he went to a friend's ball game. I think he's ten years old. Is that right? Yeah, ten. And uh, Dad told him to go to the concession stand. He wanted some food, so he said, "You you need to go to the concession stand." and uh so jordy looks up and he says what's a concession stand he didn't even know where to go or what to do and uh his dad right away without even missing a beat says uh uh, that's where people confess their sins and jordy said really he said there's a long line he said there's a lot of sins and uh so amanda his mom told jordan the husband tell him the truth what a concession stand is but uh Anyway, I want you to think with me just for a minute. If we needed a new pastor, we don't, but if we did, and we could go back in time. So there was this church, uh, and they got up to give a report from the pastor search committee. And they say, we do not have a happy report to give. We have not been able to find a suitable candidate for this church, though we have one promising prospect. Thank you for your suggestions. We followed up on each one with interviews by calling at least three references. The following is our confidential report. The first man that we interviewed was Adam. He was a good man. He had problems with his wife, and one reference told us that he and his wife enjoyed walking in the nude in the woods. He's out. The next one was Joseph, a big thinker, a little bit of a braggart, believes in dream interpretation, but... He had a prison record. He's out. Moses, a modest and meek man, but he was a poor communicator. He even stutters at times. I don't think he'll work out. Solomon, a great preacher, but serious women problems. Elijah, prone to depression, collapses under pressure. Hosea, a tender and loving pastor, but our people could never handle his wife's occupation. You guys look up Hosea yourself. Jonah, he told us he was swallowed up by a great fish. He said the fish later spit him out on the shore near here. We just hung up on him. So they didn't find a pastor there. But just think about that. When you really really stop and you think about these things, it's almost unbelievable. Amen. Uh, Corey was up here last week. Is Corey here today? I'm going to talk about him anyway. Uh, And he says... This might just be for somebody 75 and older. And he looked right at me. And I'm not 75. I'm a long way from 75. Well, at least a few years anyway. But uh, so if you see Corey, you let him know that Greg Simmons is not 75. And uh, Brother Corey uh, told his his story. And uh, I just want to give you just a glimpse of my story back when i was probably in kindergarten first grade uh i can remember every night my mom she would come up and kneel at my bed lay hands on me and pray for me and she would say god i know you're going to make this boy a preacher and uh, i would always say as she's praying i would say don't want to be But she'd pray it anyway every day. And then finally, you know, I got to be about 12, 13 years old, and she's still up here kneeling down at my bed at night praying over me. And I said, I'm too big, Mom, but she kept it up. And uh, I thank God for a mom's prayer. But that's just the beginning of my story. And uh, as time goes on over the next 20 years, I'll tell you a little bit more of my story. You guys don't believe me? I, I would uh, I would like uh, my wife to come. I always like her to pray over me before I get ready to preach. And uh, if she would come at this time,
1: okay. Um, I asked if it was a little. I have flowers because my husband went out while you were worshiping, and he went to the rock and he picked me these flowers. They're kind of drooping down. They need water, but I know they'll pick back up. So isn't that cool? This is so precious to me. Um, I I just wanted to say that. Um, you know, it's really awesome when Aaron preaches, or I'm sure you've heard, or on news, on TV, whatever. What when they preach that God was already working with it, and that's how you know that God is in it because God is already working. And he and the Holy Spirit works across the board. It seems across states, and it might be the same message. So it's it's so awesome, and I'm really honored and thankful that my pastor, my stepson is my pastor, and uh, and he has the heart of God. So I'm thankful, and I'm also thankful for my husband, Craig and um uh, but what lord has been sharing that, with me and he's giving me dreams and 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 i had a i had an encounter the other day and i'll tell you the encounter first and then i'll tell you a the, the, little bit about the dream before i pray for greg i was sitting out in my back patio we just got a, a gazebo put up thank you dan hart and um it, it was unexpected I, I wasn't even thinking about that i wanted something else but because of covid and the prices of things it was up too high and so we worked out it'd be cheaper uh with with kenny block coming and give us cement and and dan putting up the gazebo for me um and, and yeah. we, it's my favorite place now it's so peaceful my backyard and god's helping me with the flowers and the landscaping a little bit at a time and uh and we have a neighbor next door that has has a fountain so I hear the water. We have a golf course behind us, and it's just beautiful, and I'm real thankful. So I like going out in the morning when it's quiet. I like getting up early, Greg and I do, and I like the quiet, and I love the birds, and I love the greens, and I thank God every day for nature, for his creation. But just for a glimpse, just for maybe three seconds, for some reason, every all burdens and everything that I didn't even know I carried, that I was carrying, was gone. I had such peace and 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 a release and i just i'm not gonna tell you the word but i heard one word i'm like oh okay and i and i i wasn't even sure if i should share it with greg because i'm like what is this (laughs) only three seconds but with that three seconds i am not afraid to die (laughs) praise god (laughs) i'm not afraid when you're walking with god You know, you don't have to have fear. Because what can the enemy do to you? You know, you die. So what? You're going to go somewhere else? (laughs) It's going to be better. (laughs) And and then I dreamed. I dreamed about, um, I was with a family. And uh, I was in a house. And it was an older house. And we had all our stuff in it. And for some reason, it was time to get out of that house. He's sitting down, sorry. (laughs) And it was, he was getting, we were getting out of that house. We were to move into a new house. But we had hesitations. I did, because, all that old stuff what i grew up with traditions in the song maybe religion that's what i knew that's what i felt comfortable with but god had something else and i thought but it's even smaller than that house and i don't know what that's going to be like i feel secure here well we did it anyway i stepped out in faith and and we moved into this house and when i was in this house i was looking around and i was looking at the ceilings and the walls and i'm like wow this is better this is amazing and um and so i want to encourage you to step out in faith in that you're a new creature in christ and don't hang on to the old things you got a choice we had a choice we could have stayed there but man what have i missed out we would have missed out if we didn't have the faith to step out and go into that other dwelling and so i encourage you this morning Just search deep in your heart, and if you don't know Christ, there's no better way. (laughs) As the song was saying this morning, it was wonderful. There's no better way. God's got it. We try to do it ourselves. We try to do it with tradition and religions, and we don't even realize sometimes that we're still living in that, and I'm asking you to step out today and let God's way come let God's choices do it Some, I had to share with a friend that's going through a difficult time right now they're angry, they're upset and they've been dealing with something for years and it's finally now coming to she's got to do something with it and but she wants to do it her way and I'm like you got to let God do it you did your thing you said your words you made it clear how you feel and how you see it and what is the right way and what is the wrong way now step back and let God like Aaron says all the time, but God. So I encourage you to do that today. Um, and I'm going to pray for my husband now. Praise God. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for Greg. I thank you, God, that he brought me into this family. And this means so much going out to the Rock, Father, and him picking this flower. Because it reminds me that he, he let me in to his family. He let me into this family. He let me into his other family. Um, and it's precious. And I thank you in that it's a gift. Um, my husband passed away, and life was crazy, and I tried to do it my way, and it wasn't right. You had grace, and we were you loved me through it, and you found me a new home. You found me a new husband. You found me a new life. I thank you. Now, Father, I ask. I always, our husbands and wives, we're our, our sharpening tools. And I always encourage my father I always encourage my husband to listen to the Father and it to be a new message. Don't be an old message. May it be from the Father's heart. So, Father, I ask that it will be from your heart today, from the mouth and the vessel of Greg and the gifts and the talents that he is and the character that he is and and how he does it is is just perfect because that's who you wanted. You wanted the imperfections along with the imperfections because it proves that you are God and you're the one to be glorified so Father I thank you for Greg I thank you for um, blessing him with the opportunity to preach and raise his family in the Lord and uh, encourage the body and um, we ask for your anointing we ask Holy Spirit to come and that you give him peace and that you speak clearly and uh, that all anxiety and all fear is cast away And um, we just give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. Amen.
0: Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say holy ghost. (laughs) Did I, did somebody say holy spirit? I said, say holy ghost. (laughs) Amen. I'll tell you what. uh, I was uh, raised by a Pentecostal pastor and, uh, Uh, i remember from the very beginning just going to a pentecostal church and uh, i thank god for that background i thank god for what he's done for me i thank god for what he's doing for me i thank god for a new hip amen i really do and uh uh, i'm getting around better every day so i'm just real glad about that i told uh, pastor steve uh, a while back uh that i was working on a message i've worked on it for like three months off and on on insignificance and uh, i was going to preach on gideon the fact is i had all my notes on gideon i had everything on gideon i was going to preach on gideon and what does a pastor do he gets up and preaches on gideon so i threw those notes away and i said i'm not going to preach on insignificance but uh the Lord said to do it anyway. So I want you to turn with me to Acts 13:22. I believe it's up here on the board, and it says this: "Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man." Okay, uh, they got uh, it's 13:22. I'm sorry, 13:22. If we get that up there. We'll get started right. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I want to preach a little bit because sometimes I think that we feel... And at least I do, we feel insignificant. Somebody's a better preacher. Somebody's a better person. Somebody's got more money. Somebody's got a bigger house. Somebody's got a bigger car. Why Why not me, Lord? And we feel insignificant or we think, well, they, got, they get to sing. They get to play. They get to do this. They get to do that. What good am I? And I think sometimes we're overlooked by others. And maybe we feel like we're insignificant and maybe somebody thinks that we're insignificant but we're not amen we are hand-picked by God every one of you in here you're handpicked by God now I don't know about you but most of us grew up and you can think back when you was a small child you grew up wanting to be a superstar an athlete you wanted to be Michael Jordan you wanted to be uh, maybe a war hero. You might have wanted to be a performer, a dancer, and, and you, you think about that, and I think about growing up uh, with my father. My father loved the Cincinnati Reds, and I can remember as a small boy, sitting there at the kitchen table, and he'd have the radio on, and we'd listen to the Reds together, night after night after night, if he wasn't in church and there was nothing else going on, we listened to the Reds. And uh, I go way back. I remember as a boy listening to Ted Kleszewski. A lot of people probably don't even know who that is, but he was a great first baseman. After that, it was Gordy Coleman, and uh, they called him Bubbles because he could blow the biggest uh, bubblegum bubbles gone. And uh, there was a guy named Leo Cardenas that played shortstop, a guy named Frank Robinson that was in the outfield, uh, another guy named Veda Pinson, Johnny Edwards was catching. And I can name these guys because, man, I just thought they were the greatest. And so when my dad said, what are you going to do when you grow up? I want to be Gordy Coleman. I want to blow big bubbles and play first base for the Reds. The bubblegum part seemed pretty good to me at that time. And uh, uh, I remember there was an actor uh, that came out at that time. His name was Audie Murphy. He was one of the most decorated World War II veterans gone. And I thought, that'd be neat to be, to be a hero. And so all this, and, and really when you think about these dreams and, and, and things that you're never going to be, but you think you might be, and uh, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Satan deceives Adam and Eve. And he says, eat from this tree and you'll become wise. You'll become significant. Uh, and ever since then, it seems like everybody's seeking some kind of importance. I want to be important. I want to be somebody. And uh, you got to realize that you're nothing. I know when I was praying this morning, uh, got up a little early and was kind of going over some notes that I had made yesterday. And uh, I began to pray and and god said go out to the rock and pray at the rock and so we was running a little late because of me and uh she said aren't you gonna get ready and i said well i got a couple more things i want to look at here in the bible and i begin to look some stuff up and uh so i didn't make it and so we got here in time before church started and to sit down and as they're singing And the praise and worship was wonderful today, by the way. I mean, really, it it really touched my heart. And the Lord said, You never prayed at the rock. And I'm thinking, Well, I'll run out there and pray at the rock. And so I grab my cane and I go down the sidewalk and I look and I said, Wow, that rock's a long way out there. Uh, I'm not walking real good yet, but uh, the hip is healing. And I said, Lord, if you want me to pray to rock, you're going to give me strength to get to the rock. So I walked through the field, and I don't walk real good in the grass either. And I walked uh, out through that field, and as soon as I touched that rock, I felt my father. I remember him telling me when we was down to the old church, he said, it's too full, you've got to get a bigger building. And I said, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm looking at some land, and he's looking at this land. And I called about it. It was for sale. And they wanted way, way too much money. And so my dad's in the car, and we stopped, and I showed him this land. And he said, let's walk it. And I said, it's not our land. Well, we'll walk it anyway. What are they going to do? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to tell us to get off the land. My dad was real simple like that. It was just cut and dried. And I said, okay, so we're walking. He said, whoo, do you feel what I'm feeling? And I really didn't. I was looking around wondering if the police was going to come, if we was going to get kicked off the land. All of a sudden, my dad puts his hands up. He begins to walk, and he begins to say, hallelujah. Oh, I'm feeling it, Greg. I'm feeling it. We got out there to that rock. That rock's been there forever. I don't know how long it's been there, but it's been there a long time and he said let's pray over this rock so we prayed he said I think God's going to give you this land and it was just a matter of fact and then he he went off and uh, and we went back home I got to thinking about it the next day when it got to be a little dusk I parked my car I walked out to the rock and I prayed and I began to feel something Mm, I'm feeling it right now I took an old rug and I put it out there by that rock. I took some logs and a couple pieces of board that I had and I made an altar. And I went just about every day and prayed over that rock and prayed at that altar that we built. And I just felt like it was kind of biblical in a way, building an altar out there. And I kept praying, and then I felt like, well, they're going to sell us the land. I called, and they laughed at me with what I offered. So I just kept going. About a year later, they finally they called me. What was that last offer you give us? And we was able to purchase this land. So that rock out there has a very significant meaning to me. Amen. But it seems like that after Adam and Eve ate from the tree to become significant, they weren't. And ever since then, we have people looking for that lucky break, looking for that importance. Some girl that wants to be a dancer now is a 34-year-old grocery clerk with a grouchy boss. It didn't happen. There's people that wanted a great job and be able to travel the world. Maybe buy three houses, have one out to the ocean, one up in the mountains, and one that you live in. It didn't happen. You find yourself living paycheck to paycheck. And some of the hardest job there is, and I I really feel this in my heart because I know uh, when I married my wife, she was teaching school and she worked and I said I'll be a stay-at-home husband I'll clean the house I'll cook the meals I'll go to the grocery store I'll clean the toilet I'll do this stuff and it didn't take me long to decide I need to go back to work (laughs) amen there's something about buying food and going to Kroger's and looking at coupons and, and getting everything, you buy the food and what happens? It gets eaten. You got to go back and buy more food. You wash clothes and what happens? They get dirty. You got to wash them again. Uh, and and you sweep the floors and they get dirty. You got to sweep again. And so it's time to be a county commissioner. Amen. But uh, you know what? Sometimes when you think back to being a kid and the dreams and the shine. Uh, and the significant you realize that you live in a fallen world and it's warped thinking it's called a lie to be able to acquire or be able to uh, uh, acquire something but you know what it is we don't have to acquire this god selects us amen uh, uh, it's significant and i like what uh, aaron's been preaching for the last eight years uh, we're adopted. We're spatial. Amen. God wants us, and God wants you. I don't care where you are or what you've been, but God picked you. But let's go back to David here. He was overlooked by everyone else, but he was handpicked by God. David's older brother, they called him in, and uh, as they're beginning to pray, and they begin to look, I think that that, the, that Samuel said, this has got to be the one. Look how big he is, how tall, how handsome, how smart. And God said, that isn't what he was looking for. Amen. Fact is, uh, I believe if you go to 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7, uh, it reads like this. Amen. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He's looking at him and say, Wow, that's a good looking guy. He's tall, he's strong, he's smart. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look on the outward appearance. I want you to know something today. You're spatial. You might think I'm not as pretty as this other woman. You might think I'm not as handsome as this other man. You might think I'm not as strong. I'm not as this. I'm not as that. But I'll tell you what, you're spatial in God's eyes. Amen. And I really believe that. You don't have to acquire or achieve. You've been selected. Hallelujah. God picked you. David was overlooked by everyone else. The uh, uh, fact is, uh, uh, he was told by his father uh, uh, and, and he's, uh, to go take food uh, to the brothers, uh, but, uh, and the older brothers thought he was nothing but a pest. And the father's youngest son was just a shepherd boy, but he was destined to become king. Uh, He was the bloodline uh, where Jesus would come from. Uh, Samuel's thinking of qualifications. Uh, He's thinking he's got to be tall. Uh, He's got to be smart. He's got to be articulate. Uh, uh, He's got to be brave. He's got to be groomed. Uh, He's got to be well-mannered. He's got to be a natural-born leader. That's what God's looking for. That's what Samuel's thinking. Uh, But God said, you don't think like I think. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad today uh, that you don't think like God thinks? Uh, God's so much better at it than what we are. Hallelujah. Jesse doesn't call for David. Uh, uh, oversight, assumption—I don't know what it was, uh, but uh, it was a judgment call. Uh, it was a deliberate choice to be overlooked by everyone else, uh, but yet be handpicked by God. Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, I know that God has picked me. Uh, I know that God chose me. Uh, I remember, and the devil will tell you, no, it's not you. Uh, I remember pulling in the driveway one night at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'd been to a prayer meeting. Uh, I didn't really know God. Uh, I went for a pizza party in a place and to play some pool at this guy's house, uh, and instead they uh, uh, they had a little intervention with me. And they begin to pray for me. They begin to quote scriptures. They begin to read the Bible, and I'm thinking, I got to get out of this place. Amen. Really, I was just home on leave from the Navy. I had some partying to do. I had girls to date. I had different things to do, and uh, but they had other plans for me. And at one point in time, Brother Kenny, before I could get out of there, I felt God tugging at my heart. This is real. I'm going to tell you what, this is real. Hallelujah. And so, overlooked by everyone else, but handpicked by God. Soon as the Samuel seen the son David, he felt it. Amen. I don't know about you, but I come in here, and they begin to sing songs. And they begin to praise the Lord. I begin to put up my hands. And I feel it. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but we need to feel this thing. Hallelujah! If you don't feel it, there's something wrong. I'm gonna say it again: Holy Ghost, <laughs> Holy Ghost. I'm feeling it. So they anointed him to be king. Where did he go? Did he go to the military camp? Did he go to special school? Did he go to the palace to learn how to be king? No. Jesse told him going back out to the sheep. So he went back out and did what he always does. I want you to know that if you're hand-picked by God, there's a time and there's a place. Jesse calls him back in. He calls the king in, who's just a shepherd boy, David. Take some food for your brothers. I think there's some cheese for the captains, some bread, some cracked corn. And he said, take these things to your brothers out at battle. There's five things I want to look at here with David. Number one, without without any complaint at all, he had obedience. He did what what his dad wanted him to do. Number two, everyone's cowering when he gets there, and and Goliath is is challenging uh, Israel. And uh, what does he do? He takes a stand. He said, who is this who defies Israel? Who is this guy? Amen. Here's this young boy, and he's getting all upset about it. Who is this that's doing this? And then the third thing is trusting God. He said, you know what? God can take care of this. God can take care of my battles. Amen. And he he knew God would gain the victory. And then the other thing that he did was he went in and he said, I want to fight this giant. And King Saul says, here, put on my armor. King Saul was a head head and shoulders above David. And he put on that armor, and David couldn't even hardly move in it. He says, I don't want this. I just got my slingshot. That's all I need. He says, are you sure? And David looked on his past victories. You know what we need to do sometimes? we got to dredge up what God's done for us in the past. we got to know what God's done for us in the past. How God's taken us through this and that and the other thing and realize you know what God done it before he'll do it again and so David began to say hey I killed a bear I killed a lion uh, uh, I, I, I know what my past victories are and I can take care of this guy too and the last thing we need to do is surrender our talents was David talented he was a shepherd boy he could use a sling and if you read your Bible, you'll find out he was one of the greatest musicians of all time. So why didn't he just take his harp and go out and play a song for Goliath? He didn't do that. He was a skilled musician, but he knew that wasn't what God wanted. I'll tell you what, he just wanted to use his simple shepherd skill. Use what you got. Amen. Amen. And, and, and what do you need? David was humble. He was just a shepherd boy. We don't need to think we're somebody. I'm going to tell you what right now, uh, even though I might be called the founding father of this church, and I'm the one that uh, uh, had a vision for this church, and I'm the one that started the church with ten people, but that don't mean anything. It's nothing without God. And one thing my dad told me, I, I, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, he said, Anytime time you get up to preach and you think you're something, you think you're somebody, you're nothing. He said, if you're not afraid, if you don't have a little bit of fear, that you're up there talking to God's people and, and you're God's instrument, he said, you better be humble. And so I've always tried to remember that. And caring. Uh, he didn't like what Goliath said. Uh, there's things in our life... Uh, uh, there's just things that happen uh, that we got we got, we got to know uh, that we have to care. You know what? We got a neighbor across the street that's very very elderly, been very sick. Fact is, he's been in a hospital a lot, and uh, he's up in age to where uh, his daughter doesn't know if he's going to make it through this year. And I care about him. My wife, we're all the time looking. Did he is his windows open? Did he open up his blinds? And and if he didn't, we go over and we check on him. We have him over for dinner. We take him over food. Why? Because we care. We need to start caring about things. Amen. That's what David did. And knowledge. God did things in his past. I'm telling you what. I I, I could get up here all day long. I could be up here for another hour telling you what God's done for me. But I remember being a 19-year-old boy working on the flight deck of the USS Forrestal. And I worked in a resting gear, and that's the cables that caught the planes coming in. And I remember one night, uh, as a plane was coming in, we had two hook runners, and we took turns. Uh, he, he did one landing, I did the next landing. And uh, uh, the plane landed, the wire broke, and it went and hit him back across his knees and cut his legs off. And uh, it was an inch and three, three-eighths. Is that cable? That's how big it is. But it was just like a razor blade when it's going that fast. And I remember going out there one time and running out to knock that cable off, and the cable kept going. And I thought, John, I said, Oh my God, I'm not going to make it. And I remember turning around, running, running back, and I felt that cable hit the back of my legs and slam me down. And I'm laying there, and the chief comes up, is running out there, the chief of the flight deck. He runs out there. He said, Simmons, you okay? And I, I looked up at him, and I says, do I still have my legs? And he, well, I ain't going to tell you what he's called me, but uh, he told me to get up and get out of there. And uh, so, I, I mean, there's things that God's done in our past. Uh, there has to be a spiritual hunger. God, do it again. God, I remember what I felt like that night. God, I remember that service. Do it again. And sometimes uh, we have to just realize we're nothing but a human being. We're weak when we're compared to God. God's strength is perfected in our weakness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.19 or 12 and 9 says uh, we're perfected in his weakness, in our weakness. I'm only one. I'm only one. And uh, I think Aaron preached on this. Gideon, he said, hey, I'm the weakest. Our cl- my clan is the, is the least. I'm the least in the clan. We're the smallest tribe. I'm only one. In 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of England. One vote. In 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to be executed. In 1776, a lot of you may not know this, but in 1776, one vote determined that English, not German, would be the American language. In 1845, it it was only by one vote that Texas was brought into the Union. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from being totally impeached and, and kicked out of office. 1875, one vote changed France from a monarchy to a republic. In 1923, one vote gave Hitler control of the Nazi party. In 1941, 12 weeks before Pearl Harbor, one vote saved the selective service. In 1960, Richard Nixon lost the presidential election to John F. Kennedy by less than one vote per precinct in the United States. You know what, you may think, I don't count. I don't count. But I'm telling you what, that one vote counted. That one vote was very, very, very uh, instrumental in Europe when Hitler was voted in as the Nazi party leader. So you may think I don't count, but you do count. I would like to uh, ask the piano player to come at this time. I'm not going to belabor myself today. But I believe there's if we could stand there's people here today and I look around and I know some of you you will not yield to the devil. The spirit of God's going to enrich you by his grace and by his power. So just for the next few minutes I want you just to close your eyes and begin to worship him. Because why, why, Brother Simmons, why should we worship him? Because he's our king. Because he's my helper. Amen. When I need help, he's there. He's my friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the waymaker. Hallelujah. You know what? How am I going to get out of this? I'll tell you how. Because Jesus is a waymaker. He's a problem solver. I don't know. This is a bit pretty big problem, Brother Greg. I'll tell you what. He's a problem solver. He's a door opener. Somebody say amen. He's a prayer answering God. I'll tell you what, I've been in the hospital, I've been out of the hospital. God's touched me and I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know about you, do you feel it? Do you feel the joy? Do you feel the peace? Do you feel the strength? If you don't you need to feel it today. Preachers need it. Musicians need it. Sunday school teachers need it. Well, Brother Simmons, I'm not very spatial. If you go to the book of Judges, I think it's the third chapter, there was a guy by the name of Shamgar, just a farmer. He was nobody spatial. But God said, I'm going to use you. And he took one large stick. It's called an ox goad. It was used to poke the oxen to get him to go. And he went down with the Philistines in his cornfield. And he said, boys, it's time to get out. And the Bible says he killed 300 Philistines with that ox goad. Then he went back and had lunch. Amen. I'll tell you what. God is very, very good to us. Amen. And I would be remiss if I didn't, while I'm up here, say, like Caleb, Caleb, give me my mountain I'm just as strong now as what I was back then give me my mountain some of you today you just need God you need to come up here I don't care if you've been saved 30 years I don't care if you've been saved 40 some years like myself you still need to come up here and say give me my mountain Lord I've been going through some things God, even if you haven't been going through some things, wouldn't it be nice to even make it better? Amen. That's what we need to do. And so I don't want you to wait until everything is just right, because we have a tendency to do that at times. It's never going to be perfect. You know what? I have never had the perfect day. I've had a perfect couple hours, but never had the perfect day. There's always challenges. There's always obstacles. Come on, somebody say preach it. It's always less than perfect. But what we need to do, we need to come up here and surrender to God and say, God, God, you know what? I've been overlooked by others, but I'm handpicked by you. Amen. I'll tell you what, God loves you. God wants you. I would just say if we could just close our eyes right now if you feel the need to get closer to God if you feel the need that everything isn't just quite right but I want it to be right it's never going to be perfect if you have challenges in your life if you have obstacles in your life make your way out and come up here to this altar and pray come on As a pastor of a church, I used to come up all the time. People uh, are prayer warriors that's supposed to be praying with these people. Come on up. God wants to move. God wants to work. He's got something special for you. Amen. You're not insignificant. You are God's chosen one. Amen, amen.